Miller Lite and Voting Rights, welcome to the Texas Take, the number one political podcast in the great state. I'm Scott Braddock, editor at quorumreport.com. Jeremy Wallace at houstonchronicle.com is on assignment this week, and this is a special edition of the show. Uh, you know, all these podcasts are special. Send them all to the Broadcast Hall of Fame. Uh, but this one extra special because I'm en route to D.C. I want to give you the very latest on what's happening with this voting rights fight in Texas, which has now uh, become a front burner issue for Congress and for folks all across the country. I think national news was all over this story. For the last 24, 48 hours, you saw nothing but the Texas Democrats staging another dramatic walkout, a quorum break at the Texas Capitol. They left town. In fact, they skipped town on three private chartered jets to go to Washington. Why Washington? Well, two reasons. One, they want Congress to act on voting rights legislation. And if Congress doesn't do that, they're basically, and it's Democrats who have the majority in Washington. So the majority there is leaving their own party in Texas and other states to basically defend the Alamo if they don't do something at the federal level about voting rights. And you'll hear this from uh, multiple Democrats during the course of this update. I just want to give you a short update on what's going on here because it is a quickly developing situation. And I'm taping the show a little bit later in the day because I wanted to monitor what was happening at the Capitol uh, as we went through the legislative day, which was not unprecedented, but it's not the norm. To see the Texas House gavel in and have uh, no quorum present, which means they can't move forward with business, and that's constitutional. The Texas Constitution says that the Democrats can do what they are doing. It's a legislative tool. And the way the Republicans want to talk about it is to say, look, if you don't show up for work, you shouldn't be paid. You shouldn't be taken seriously. In fact, they were mocking the Democrats for heading to the airport in a chartered bus. And there were some pictures that were circulated on social media yesterday where Democrats on the chartered bus were seen with a case of Miller Lite. Oh, it's a scandal. That's not really a scandal. I do think that Miller Lite, you know, a case of it, polls pretty well if we're talking politics. In Texas, folks like Miller Lite. Now, some purists might say, how about, you know, one of our craft brews from Texas? Uh, I believe that Miller Lite is brewed in Panther City up in North Texas, but, but all that aside. Um, <laughs> uh, Miller Lite and voting rights. Um, the Democratic caucus, almost all of them, are now in Washington. And they got on the planes. They left Austin about 3 o'clock on Monday afternoon. And they arrived late in the evening in Washington, where the Democratic caucus chairman, Chris Turner, updated the media in a brief press conference. Not because we want to. It breaks our heart that we have to do it. But we do it because we are in a fight to save our democracy. Turner says the stakes couldn't be higher. The nationwide Republican vote suppression efforts, anti-voter efforts, is coming to a crisis point in the state of Texas right now. We have, we're in the middle, we're at the beginning of a special session where Republicans are rushing through new anti-voter bills in the House and the Senate through marathon hearings over the weekend that lasted all night, 24 hours, uh, and ignoring the voices of the diverse, the diversity of Texas, who pleading, who are pleading with the legislature 
say do not make it harder to vote in Texas, which is the hard, hardest state to vote in already. Representative Sinfronia Thompson from Houston, a longtime lawmaker who's been in the Texas House for decades, she said leaving the state to not only make this point to Congress, but also to hold up this legislation, it wasn't an easy decision, but had to be done. It was the only option. I left because I am tired of sitting as a hostage in a House of Rep Texas House of Representatives while Republicans strip away the rights of my constituents to vote. We have fought too long and too hard in this country to get away from having to count beans in a bag, having to count bubbles in a soap bar. And we have achieved the full right to vote in this country. And when President Johnson signed the Civil Rights Bill in 1965, I thought that that would put to rest forever anyone's desire to strip away the rights for anyone to vote. Representative Trey Martinez Fisher from San Antonio said the proposals in this elections bill are offensive and he doesn't really care that some of the worst provisions, and when I say worst provisions, the Republicans have been falling all over themselves for the last few weeks to try to place blame for certain language in that bill, uh, throwing each other under the bus trying to place blame on either the House or Senate. Uh, we had a special report at quorumreport.com. Our publisher, Harvey Kronberg, laid it out pretty well that it looks like it was mischief by the Texas Senate that you had these provisions uh, that, show, that uh, would have uh, allowed for judges to more easily overturn elections, that would crack down on the souls to the polls events that are very popular in the African-American community, for those voters to go to the polls right after church on Sundays during early voting. That stuff's taken out of the bill. And a few other things are taken out of this bill. But Fisher says, look, it doesn't matter. All this is offensive and it's just a no-go for him and others. Well, Ms. Thompson reminded me of a time when you could show up to vote and you went into a booth, you can close a curtain and you could vote in privacy. Yes. Under the provisions of this bill, you could literally have a voter walk through a polling place, be greeted by the Proud Boys, and they can stand over your shoulder and watch you vote close enough to listen if you were to whisper something to yourself or close enough to see how you were casting your votes. That's the environment we're talking about. There is nothing special about this special session. This is a suppression session. Speaker pro tem Joe Moody from El Paso said Congress has got to pass voting rights legislation or all of this is for nothing. Now, I know this. We're here to fight. That's right. That's right. 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 We just hope we're not alone. That's it. Because democracy itself sits at one minute to midnight. And we need immediate federal action to turn back the clock. As one Democratic source put it to me, and forgive the language, but they said Congress has got to get off their asses and get to work on not only H.R. 1, which is the For the People Act. I've called it this before. I'll say it again. It's a, a sort of a liberal wish list, a laundry list of everything that Democrats and liberals ever wanted to do when it comes to elections. And then the other big piece of legislation I would say is more consequential is H.R. 4, 
that would be the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. And the reason that it's more consequential is because what it would do is it would put states like Texas with a history of the kind of discrimination that you heard Ms. T, Symphonia Thompson, talk about. Uh, states like ours would have to go back under what's called Department of Justice preclearance. And that's not necessarily asking for permission from Washington to change elections laws, but it's sort of like that. There's a process that used to uh, be something that states like Texas had to go through anytime there was a change in elections laws. This, go, of course, goes back to the civil rights movement. And, it, it, you know, we're talking about uh, the time in America when uh, African-Americans in particular, but minority voting, minority voters, uh, you know, in general, uh, had such a hard time exercising the franchise. And when people say, and especially Republicans say, that we don't have that anymore. So it's not fair to have Texas under preclearance and Georgia under preclearance and some of these other states. Um, it was not 1961 or 1951 or 1971 or any of those times decades ago that Republican lawmakers were proposing doing away with polling sites in minority areas. That was in 2021. Right. It was just a few months ago under Senate Bill 7. That's the bill that the Democrats blew up by walking out. Well, look, Governor Abbott says the Democrats need to be at work. That's that's his argument. He released a statement uh, on Twitter and on YouTube, and he said that they're just wrong to leave the state. The Texas Democrats decision to break a quorum of the Texas legislature and to abandon the Texas state capitol that inflicts harm on the very Texans who elected them to serve. Abbott says it's not only about the red meat issues that are on the agenda for this 30-day special session. He says that there are also bipartisan solutions on the table on a variety of issues that he placed on the call for the legislature to address. As they fly across the country on cushy private planes, they leave undone issues that can help their districts as well as help the entire state. Issues like property tax relief, funding to support sheriffs and law enforcement in high crime areas, funding for children in our foster care system, and funding for retired teachers. The Democrats must put aside partisan political games and get back to the job they were elected to do. That was from his prepared statement during an interview on KVU television in Austin. Abbott said he and the speaker, Dade Phelan, are going to get tough on the Democrats for leaving. Yes, there is something the governor can do. First, I will tell you that, that what the House of Representatives can do, the speaker can do, is issue a call to have these members arrested. In addition to that, however, uh, I can and I will continue to call special session after special session after special session all the way up until election next year. And so if these people want to be hanging out wherever they're hanging out on this taxpayer paid junket, they're going to have to be prepared to do it for well over a year. As soon as they come back in the state of Texas, they will be arrested. They will be cabined inside the Texas Capitol until they get their job done. Everybody who has a job must show up to do that job, just like your viewers on uh, watching right now. State representatives have that same responsibility. So what the Texas House did today was establish that there is no quorum, and then they put out a call, but what they call a call, for the Democrats to return, to come back to the legislative chamber and resume business. So the Democrats don't seem interested in that at all, as you heard. The other thing that uh, issuing that call does is allow for law enforcement to go and round up the Democrats and bring them back to the state capitol, it, up, up to the point of slapping the cuffs on them 
and bringing them back. That's how serious this is. It's all allowed by the Texas Constitution and the rules of the House. Uh, but the Democrats, as I said, are in Washington for two reasons. One is to try to push Congress along. The other reason is that state troopers have no jurisdiction outside the state of Texas. It would not be the first time in recent months that law enforcement was sent to the border of the state just for politics. Of course, I'm speaking of uh, all these border security. I'm putting that in quotes efforts. <laughs> uh, Republicans were taking smiling selfies of themselves, of themselves. So I guess you don't have to say of themselves if you're talking about selfies. They were taking those happy selfies with ex-President Trump down on the border. Seemed very serious, very serious. As of course, the same people are mocking Democrats for smiling and having a case of Miller Lite. Um, the kind of legislative action that is stopped is everything at the Capitol. The Texas legislature is operating under the Texas Constitution, which says that two-thirds of the House and Senate need to be in Austin to conduct business. And if either of the chambers doesn't have two-thirds, well, they can't move forward. The Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan, uh, had some exchanges with different Republican members on the floor of the House uh, earlier today, and it, it was established that, one, committees cannot even do their work right now because the Democrats are gone. No bills can come up on the floor of the House, um, and not much else is going to be done other than asking for the Democrats to come back and threatening that law enforcement will go get them at their homes or wherever else they might be in Texas. But again, as long as the Democrats aren't in the state, there isn't anything that the DPS can do. I was thinking about uh, the difference between, and there were lots of differences, but some of the differences between the big quorum break back in 2003, almost 20 years ago, and this quorum break now. We only had one in between, which was the one that lasted for, I guess, for about 90 minutes uh, right at the end of the regular session this year. In 2003, it took weeks for the uh, Democrats to be found. It turned out, as you may remember, they were in Ardmore, Oklahoma, at a Holiday Inn, and one person had their rooms at the Holiday Inn on her credit card. And this person was on the lookout for anybody who might be a Republican operative, who might uh, come find them in Ardmore. Uh, and it was a reporter from the Dallas Morning News, a friend of mine, Matt Stiles, uh, who I later worked with at City Hall, uh, covering City Hall in, uh, in Houston, Texas. Uh, but when he was at the Dallas Morning News, he found those Democrats in Ardmore, Oklahoma, and he went up to the front desk of the Holiday Inn. He was asking about who might be there, what guests were there. Uh, and of course, <laughs> the folks who uh, were there thought that he must be some Republican operative who was looking for them. Turned out he had broken the story that the Democrats were in Ardmore. Uh, well, it took weeks to find them. This time around, the Democrats are just declaring where they're going. They're saying they're going to D.C. They are there now to try to get meetings with some of the Democrats, especially in the U.S. Senate. The House in D.C. has already acted on the two pieces of legislation that I mentioned, the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. But the Senate is the problem, uh, at least as far as Democrats are concerned, because they have some rules of procedure there. And Democrats here in Texas are arguing that the Democrats in Washington ought to think about reforming some of their rules to move forward with this voting rights legislation. One of the things they could do is simply make a you know an exemption uh, to the filibuster rules in the Senate uh, for this voting rights legislation. And that, at least across the United States, is not without precedent. Republicans have done this before. Remember, Republicans moved forward with judicial nominations the way that the you know, Democrats did uh, under Harry Reid. Uh, and in Texas, 
rules have been suspended to pass voting legislation before, including 10 years ago when voter ID was passed. I've made this point a few times, uh, but it's worth repeating. Actually, I saw this picked up on the national news uh, just in the last few days that Texas Republicans made an exception to the two-thirds rule in the Texas Senate that was in place back in 2011. They made the exception just for voter ID. So if Republicans can do that here, why can't Democrats do that for voting rights legislation in Washington? They can do it, but there is adherence to tradition by some of the more moderate Democrats. They say that, look, someday we'll be back in the minority and we don't want the majority of the Republicans to be running all over us and changing the rules just because they're the ones who won the election. I can say without much hesitation that if Democrats uh, were out of power in Washington, the Republicans won the majority again in the, in the Senate, then the Republicans would just bowl them over. They would steamroll them. I have no doubt about that. All right. Um, the legislature over the weekend before the quorum break was engaged in marathon hearings about this elections bill. And the Democrats say that even though some of the worst provisions have been taken out, it's still terrible stuff. Charlie Bonner is with a group called Move Texas, and he was among those who testified in one of the marathon hearings over the weekend. It was critical for us to be there last night uh, to show lawmakers that the vast majority of Texans do not encourage these efforts to put up intentional barriers to the ballot. In Texas, we very much value our freedoms, and that includes the freedom to vote. And last night, hundreds of Texans showed up, stayed through the night, many folks testifying for the very first time, getting involved in this complicated, wonky, long process and staying through the night. And it... Um, while I am exhausted tonight, I am inspired. I've never been more inspired by what we saw because pro-voter Texans turned out six to one against the conspiracy theorists and the crazies who so often push these narratives. And so I think there is a tide turning in Texas right now that is really ground zero in this national fight for our freedom to vote. Bonner there on MSNBC, one of the people who testified, one of the high-profile folks who waited for hours to go in front of Texas state senators to give his opinion, is former Congressman Beto O'Rourke, who we don't know if he's running for governor. The, the field is frozen on the Democratic side because the, uh, because the Democrats like him as the best candidate for them. They, don't, they still don't have much of a bench on the Democratic side, so they're waiting for O'Rourke to make some decision about whether to run for governor. He has been semi-campaigning, sort of faux-campaigning. You would think he's in the midst of a statewide campaign for office, making all these stops around the state. Stop me if you've heard this before. Beto O'Rourke on a statewide tour, and on this tour, he's talking about voting rights everywhere he goes. Well, he was talking to Texas state senators during one of these hearings, and he said that there is a way to have secure elections without keeping any eligible voters from having their say. I think that's what we want. I mean, some of you are Republicans. I'm a Democrat. Um, but, I, but I think we want to win these contests on the merits of the argument and the ideas and the vision that we offer. We don't want to win because we've excluded effectively and functionally millions of our fellow Texans from participating in these decisions that will impact all of our lives for generations to, to come. I mean, I think that's what makes us the exception in world history and on the face of the planet today, that we can peacefully, nonviolently decide together how we are going to move forward. Most of the rest of the world cannot pull that off. And, and I, I really fear, uh, men and women of this committee, 
that, that we are, are very close to losing that because it's not just Texas. It's what passed in Georgia and in Florida and in Iowa and in more than a dozen other states, severely restricting the right to vote. It was the insurrection attempt on the 6th of January, which tried through violence to overturn a lawfully, legitimately, democratically decided election. It is the big lie that is the source and inspiration for so many of these voter suppression bills. I mean, some of you are akin to the arsonist who wants to light the fire and then get credit for trying to put it out because you say, look, there may not be a statistically meaningful level of voter fraud, but my constituents are worried about it. Well, why are they worried about it? It's because you keep talking about a problem that doesn't exist. Why are Republicans continuing to push this elections legislation as their number one priority? I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Three words. Avenge Trump somehow. And it's the somehow where things get bogged down. Um, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, who has been one of Donald Trump's guys in Texas, Patrick's always putting out an email or a tweet or something different social media posts about what a great relationship he has with former President Trump. He was down on the border with Governor Abbott and others taking those happy selfies um, and, and, and really buddying up to Trump because in Republican primaries right now, the reality is, at least until proven otherwise, you've got to be pro-Trump if you want to win. Or put another way, you have to at least not be anti-Trump. We're going to see this over the next few months and maybe about the next year of folks like Governor Abbott and Patrick and your state representative and your state senator, if they're a Republican, they're going to try to appear as the Trump candidate. Now, I would argue that there are other ways to win a Republican primary. Maybe you're not anti-Trump, but you're just something different. You're something else. And we'll see how that plays out in various races, including potentially the, uh, the race for attorney general. But we'll come back to that. Lieutenant Governor Patrick, speaking at that conservative political action conference in Dallas over the weekend, at least in my estimation and the estimation of others, was really sort of writing the plaintiff's brief for Democrats on this elections legislation because what he was arguing is uh, to those conservative activists, the hardcore Trump supporters, Patrick was saying that the reason the elections legislation has to pass is to ensure that Republicans keep winning in the state and Democrats don't have a chance. And in Texas, we are the last man standing. There are a lot of conservative and red states around the country, but if we fall, America falls. The electoral votes of New York, California, and New York combined together means we could never elect a conservative or Republican to the White House ever again. I can tell you that as a lieutenant governor of this great state, that I'm blessed and honored to serve, we're not ever going to let that happen. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that he meant to say New York, California, and Texas. He said, if you count New York twice, yeah, I guess you would never have another Republican elected president again. Uh, I think he meant the three states I just said instead of New York twice. Uh, he, he might be slipping a little bit. You know, Patrick, I... I wouldn't say this, but Patrick has been one of those questioning the uh, uh, cognitive ability of the current occupant of the White House. So when you do that, you open yourself up to criticisms when you just misspeak. We're just throwing that in there. Um, Senator Brian Hughes from East Texas, uh, he's from Mineola. 
his district uh, represents or it includes places like um, Tyler, uh, Smith County. Uh, he was on WFAA and he told reporter Jason Whiteley that there are some significant changes from what had been proposed during the regular session when it comes to elections in this state. Senate Bill 1 that I filed says you can do not five but six hours of Sunday voting. You have to do six hours any time between 6 a.m. and 9 p.m. So they can do afternoon, morning, whenever they want to do it. Senator, what else is different in this bill than, than you had previously filed? So there were some provisions in the original bill about uh, poll watchers using cameras, and that got kind of tedious. We weren't sure how that would work practically, so that's out. What we do have, which makes sense, is cameras, a live stream camera in the central counting room. Whenever those ballots are brought in, they're going to be on camera the whole time. Also, the signature process, where they're checking to compare the signatures on those applications for ballot by mail and on the, on the envelopes to make sure they're accurate, that's going to be recorded. You can't see the signature, but you can see who's in there and see that it's being done fairly. So those are some changes uh, that have been made. Again, it's about making sure the process works and making sure it works fairly. Now, Hughes acts like uh, it is just a tedious thing that they were having to defend uh, those proposals, including uh, filming people while they are voting. If uh, partisan poll watchers are allowed to film you while you're voting at the polling place, I think it's fair to say that's pretty intimidating. Um, you could have folks right over your shoulder looking at what you're doing. And, you know, especially when you talk to older voters, I don't know that younger voters would care as much about this, although it's still their right to have a private ballot. Older folks do not want to talk about who they voted for, uh, especially some of those older minority folks. It's a private ballot that is between them and God when they go there into the polling place. And they would tell you that. There was a time in this state and in this country where if a minority uh, person, be they uh, black, brown, they might be either filmed or have their picture taken at a polling place. And Jeremy has pointed this out on previous shows. If you go back to the 50s and 60s and 70s, they might have their picture taken while voting and that picture would be sent to their boss and they would be fired because they had voted. So if you want to think that that stuff was just tedious instead of enabling racists, then I don't know. It seems a little disingenuous to me. Uh, we will see what happens with this. I'm not sure that the Democrats know exactly what their end game is right now. Uh, they're having a big moment. As I said, this is all moved right up to the top of the agenda in DC. Uh, but if Washington doesn't take any action here, it may be that governor Abbott and the Republicans went out because the Democrats can probably only stay gone so long. Uh, when Republicans say that this isn't work, that the Democrats are walking off the job, that is just flatly untrue. They're doing a lot of work to be on the road. Uh, you ever have to work on the road? You ever have to uh, travel for work? That's what the Democrats are doing. They're, they're on, a, on a work trip right now in D.C. Uh, and it's not clear if they're going to stay in D.C. for weeks or move on to some other place. I would put it this way, it's not so important where they are exactly, it's important where they're not. As long as they're not in Austin, Republicans can't move forward with the legislation that they want to pass. And I should also note here that a good number of Texas state senators went to Washington as well. Nine of them, it was announced this morning, also went to Washington to join their House colleagues to fight for, as they put it, voting rights legislation uh, that they think needs to be passed by Congress. That's not enough to break quorum in the Senate. But I think there may be some more pressure that's now applied to the uh, three or four state senators, or four of them, 
who are Democrats who are staying in Austin. Uh, those would be uh, Hinojosa, Whitmire, Lucio, and um, one more. <laughs> it's going to come to me in a minute. Um, but the fact is that because they are gone, in uh, because those Democrats are gone, it may slow some things down in some committees, and uh, we'll see if uh, the lieutenant governor makes any changes to the committees. He had already done that during the interim, if you will, when, when the, the chairmanships in the Texas Senate were shifted up. Those who are still in Austin, by the way, uh, Whitmire, Hinojosa, Zaffarini, and Lucio. I knew the other one would, would come to me. Uh, so we're going to keep track of all this. How long can the Democrats hold out? We'll see. One special session, two special sessions, three special sessions. Not clear. Now, the other big issue for Texans, of course, the actual problem that we're all having is that the electricity grid in this state is essentially unchanged after that disaster of a winter storm back in February. Governor Abbott is still having to answer questions about this, even though he refuses to add electricity as a topic for the special session that's underway. Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday asked Abbott, why aren't you putting electricity on the special session call? It, it would just make sense. It's what Texans are actually worried about. And your critics point out that what isn't on the agenda for the special session is the electrical grid in Texas, which uh, broke down during the, the, the deep freeze last winter. Uh, 100, more than 150 people were killed. More than 4 million Texans lost their their power during that and and the question is why wouldn't you address an issue like that that affects people's everyday lives so you, you raise two issues and let me answer both of them uh, one is if, if you look at all these issues that are on the special session agenda uh, these aren't new items the all of these items were up on the agenda uh, during the regular session they got close to the finish line and the only reason why they didn't get across the finish line uh, is because as you pointed out earlier uh, the democrats decided to abandon their job and walk off the job they did not give us the time to get those other items across the finish line and so all we're trying to do is to uh, continue to achieve exactly what we were trying to achieve during the regular session. Now, even if you don't agree with Abbott, that at least makes some sense. He's still pushing his priorities. That's his argument. But listen to the specifics on the electricity grid here. This is where it sort of goes off the rails. I need to point out to you, Chris, exactly uh, why uh, the, the power grid is not on the special session. Uh, and that's because during the regular session, uh, there were robust laws that were passed by the Texas legislature uh, that provide uh, all the changes that are needed uh, to make sure that we will have an effective power grid. I must point out, Chris, one very important thing that most people do not know. And that is what was the main cause of the power grid failure in the wintertime. And it's nothing what anybody knows. The main cause of the power grid failure in the state of Texas actually was a failure by the power generators in Texas uh, to file a simple document with ERCOT, the, the uh, uh, Electric Reliability Council of Texas. Right. Uh, and let me know, Chris, I need to explain this very quickly. Uh, and, and that is, uh, in Texas, like in many other states, whenever uh, there's going to be a temporary shutdown of power in a state, there are certain areas that are exempt from being shut down, such as hospitals, uh, such as downtowns, and such as police stations. In Texas, before the winter storm took place, power generators and power transmission entities, they were not subject to not being shut down. Uh, when ERCOT shut them down in the winter storm, they froze. That's sort of the long country roadway to say 
that the electricity generators were to blame for the outages. Certainly not state government, not the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, not the Public Utility Commission. It's the electricity generators who are to blame. I'm sure that some of Governor Abbott's contributors are not happy with that sort of rhetoric, but I would also say some of his even bigger contributors absolutely don't want lawmakers to address electricity any more than they have uh, this year. And if you think about it this way, uh, for some of the big uh, natural gas players, and I'm talking about companies like Energy Transfer Partners uh, and others, uh, Energy Transfer is where Rick Perry uh, serves on the board. Those companies absolutely must be delighted that nothing's happening in Austin, at least on the electricity issue. Uh, So we will keep track of all of that. Um, Look, this is just a quick update for you on what's happening with this voting rights fight. We'll have uh, more shows later in the week, at least one more show. I'm planning the coverage as we go here, kind of flying by the seat of our pants as we cover all this breaking news. Uh, But if you like the show and you know you do, you should be a subscriber on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, however you listen to your favorite podcasts. Give us the best review that you can. And um, look, if you have nasty things to say, Say them about me, not Jeremy. <laughs> no, don't don't say anything if you can't say anything nice. How about that? Give us five stars. We appreciate it. Subscribe to quorumreport.com, houstonchronicle.com as well. We'll keep you updated with all the breaking information uh, about this quorum break. And we will see you here on the show again next time. Mm-hmm.